do appreciate you being here on the week after Christmas. I trust that you had a Merry Christmas and that you'll have a Happy New Year. If you have a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 22, Luke chapter 22, and prior to reading uh, from the scriptures, if you are following along, maybe in a pew Bible, that would be page 882, and let me briefly explain what is happening or taking place today, uh, because some of you parents maybe are slightly stressed out because your, your child is in the room and they may be wandering around or they may be making noise. Uh, let me just reassure you and give you permission. It's not going to bother me. Um, I'm a father and I have my own children. And as they get older, I feel like they're even more unruly and they don't listen. So that might be good encouragement to you to know what's ahead of you if your children are young. Uh, so I give you permission. If they make a noise, pastor's not going to be upset about it at, at all. Um, let them be children. That's what they are. Um, and so uh, secondly is this gathering itself, as we, we have these family gatherings during the course of a year, which, which we're about to celebrate a year, um, they're purposeful and they're intentional. Um, one, it gives your child an opportunity to behold. That's a word you hear a lot at DOXA. But it gives your children an opportunity to behold your faith, the parents' faith. We sang a song, that first one, Oh, Great is Our God. Uh, I love, there's a line in it that talks about our children will know that we want them to know what it is that we're passionate about, what we believe in. And so as we look at this moment that you're enjoying right here with your child, know that it's much more than just giving our volunteers, the people that are on serve teams, it's more than just giving them a week off. It's an opportunity for your child to see what it is their mom and dad believe or what they're wrestling with. And so... Uh, that purpose in itself, I hope, would be an encouragement, and our, our, our plan this week is to provide you with a discipleship opportunity, because there's going to be natural questions that are going to come as a result of them being in this gathering. They might ask you, why do you sing these songs that you sing? Why do you have preaching? Why do you come to the table and observe communion? Why do you give to the church? These are opportunities that you will have to talk to them a little bit about why the church gathers on Sundays. And so as you look in your Bible, uh, please look at Luke 22, verses 14 through 20. Uh, just briefly, we're going to read this text and make some observations. So we stand with me for the reading of the scriptures. Uh, children, we are standing not because the pastor said so. We're standing because we believe that this is God's word. We believe that this is literally God's word to us and for us. And for that reason, when we stand and read the Bible, we're saying, I believe this. And you may be in here and you're not at that point where you believe, and I hope that at some point the Lord would open up your heart and you would believe this, but we're standing because we believe this. So we're exercising faith and trust, and the word of God says this in verse 14. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table, talking about Jesus. So Jesus reclined at the table, and the apostles were with Jesus. And Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So Jesus took the cup, and when Jesus had given thanks, Jesus said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when Jesus had given thanks, Jesus broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given two really important words that you might need to hear today. This is my body that was what? Read it. Help me, kids. Are you, if you got your Bible, what does it say? This is my body that which is given what? For you. It's done for you, right? It's given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out again for you is the new covenant in my blood. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. God, we come before you, thanking you that you give us a word. We thank you that you give us a word that is about you, and it's a good word for us. So God, I pray that you would bless the next few moments as we consider what this text actually means. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So, I'm going to need some, some help from uh, you children that happen to be in the gathering that are old enough to understand some of the things I'm about to speak of. But, we come to a week after Christmas, and I want to look back and, and think about what are some of the traditions that we celebrate at Christmas, so, a tradition is something that you do over and over again. And so, I'm going to get some kids to help me out. What are some things that you do every Christmas, okay? So, I'm going to walk around and try to make this as awkward as possible. So, what are some things that you do every Christmas? If you're a kid in here, uh, help me out and tell me some things that you always do every Christmas. So, what you got? We see Christmas lights. Okay. Go see Christmas lights. Anybody else do that? Remember doing that? Anybody else? You got, what's uh, another thing that you do every Christmas? What you got back here, Jack? We decorate Christmas cookies. Okay, decorate Christmas cookies. What else? What are some things that we do every Christmas? Our tradition. What, what do we do, Kate? We read the Bible. Okay, we read the Christmas story, okay? Very predictable for the pastor's kid. I paid him five bucks to make sure that he said that so that y'all think I'm holy and righteous. What are some other things that you do every Christmas? Traditions. Adults, you want to help out? What are some, uh, some traditions that you have in your family that you celebrate every Christmas? Surely it's food, right? There's some food probably that takes place. We uh, decorate gingerbread houses. Decorate gingerbread houses. There we go. What else? You got something? We go, we go to my grandma's house every Christmas. Okay, that's perfect. That's perfect. Too cute. Somebody should have taken a picture of that. I'm sure to get a couple likes on Instagram for that. So we have these traditions, right? These traditions. What's one more thing? Uh, at our house, we like to 
I have sausage, like we have sausage balls every Christmas morning. I know that's an odd thing to hear in a sermon, uh, but we have that every Christmas morning. It's a tradition at the Looney household. You, you got something? What do y'all do? We watch Christmas movies. Okay. What Christmas movie? A Christmas story. There we go. And you're sure not to miss it on TBS because it comes on over and over and over again, right? So we have all these traditions that that we have that we celebrate year after year. And so what is happening in these verses we read in Luke 22 is we have one tradition that's taking place within the Jewish community, the Israelites. Do you remember the Israelites? If you're a child, remember Moses? Moses led God's people out of the bondage of the Egyptians. And so uh, the Passover meal is that remembrance of what God had provided for Israel. What did he provide? He provided deliverance from the bondage of sin, or bondage of the Egyptians. And so as we look at the text, here's what I want you to think about, kids, is that Jesus is coming and he's replacing a tradition. So imagine your tradition at Christmas being replaced by something that's incredibly more better, right? Something better, something beautiful, something glorious. And so in Luke's gospel, in verses 14 through 20, we are learning this, that Jesus and his disciples are remembering the Passover meal, that tradition for them, but Jesus is replacing it with something better, and it's called the Lord's Supper. And we celebrate that as a local church every week. If you'll notice with me to my left is you'll see a table with a beautiful white box and two wooden pieces of uh, nice furniture right there that's sitting on the table. And you'll notice that there are things that represent what Christ is talking about in the text. And so Jesus is doing this. He's saying the Passover supper served a purpose, but I am actually reestablishing a better tradition. So one feast at the Passover is about remembering God delivering Israelites from the Egyptians' bondage. Here's what Jesus is giving us a tradition. He's giving us this, that the Lord's Supper is God's people's deliverance from the bondage of sin. So as you're here today, whether you're old or uh, you're a child, here's what I want you to walk out of here, is I want you to think about what Jesus is establishing When you come to the church and gather on Sunday is that we come to this table every week and we're thinking about and remembering what Christ has done for us. So as Christians, if you're a Christian, we remember the Lord's Supper and we remember God's provision for the forgiveness of our sins. So look with me just a couple moments. I want to point out just several things that I want you to think about when we come to the table and remember what Christ has done and what Christ's doing with his disciples. First is this, is that what we remember, what is Christ wanting us to remember in the Lord's Supper? Firstly is this, verses 15 and 20, we, he wants us to remember that he suffered and that he satisfied the debt due for our sins. So verses 15 and 20, look back at your Bible so that you know that the pastor's not making this up. In verse 15, it says this. He said to them, I've earnestly desired to eat this Passover meal with you before what? I suffer. So Christ is foretelling that he would suffer on the cross. Many times, uh, 
when Christians were passing along, uh, other Christians in cities after Christ's res- death and resurrection, they would make the sign of cr- the cross on them as a representation of them being a Christian and being one of the faith. And so Christ is wanting them to remember, the apostles and the disciples and us, to remember that when we look at the table and we come to the Lord's Supper, we're remembering the fact that Christ suffered for our sins. Christ suffered for our sins. And that the cross is central to everything that we do. When you come to Doxa and you're in Doxa Kids or you're in a gathering, you hear a lot about Jesus. You hear a lot about Jesus. You hear a lot about Jesus dying for our sins because we believe that's the purpose statement of why he came to live on this earth. He came to save sinners. And so what we remember when we come to the Lord's table, Jesus is wanting them to know that he suffered for them, but not only that he suffered, but he did it to satisfy the sin debt. Verse 20, look at verse 20. Likewise, this cup after they had eaten, saying this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. What does this mean? This means this, that Jesus is putting this picture that when he laid down his life, and his body on the cross, and he shed blood, it was so that it might, he might remove sin from our life, our sin problem. And so the sacrifice that Jesus is making is that every time you come to the table and we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we're remembering that Christ suffered and that Christ satisfied the debt for all our sin and that we enjoy forgiveness. So when you look at the juice that symbolizes Christ's blood and the, and the, the uh, bread that represents his body, you are remembering that Christ suffered for our sin and that he satisfied the sin debt so that you and I can know forgiveness. Second is this. We remember it because Christ suffered and we, he sat, satisfied sin, the sin debt. Secondly, we come to the table and Jesus is establishing the Lord's Supper for this reason about who needs to remember it. Verse 19, again, look at, look at the text. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So he's telling us who needs to remember. Who needs to remember? Those of you that recognize it was done for you. Those who believe. So this is for Christians to enjoy. So why is the pastor talking about the Lord's Supper? I want you to look at it, and I want you to know why Christ suffered and what Christ suffered for, but I want you to know who can actually enjoy coming to the table. It's not because your parents are a part of a doxa community. It's not because your parents tithe or give to the church. It's not because your parents have good morality. It means they do good things and don't do bad things, but they believe that Christ died for them. It's an act of faith. So it's, it's to be enjoyed by those who have placed their faith in Christ. So have you placed your faith in Jesus? Whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, have you placed your trust in Jesus Christ? Do you see that when he says, for you, that's for you? You believe that. You recognize that. You confess that. So how does one know that you're actually a Christian? At what point do you realize that one is a Christian? Simply this, that you are willing to confess what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15. I am a sinner. 
Do you recognize that you're sinful? Do you recognize that you're sinful? How do I know that one's saved? Or how do I become a Christian? You confess that you're sinful. Secondly is that you do what Romans 10.13 says. Anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus says, God promises, you will be what? You'll be saved. So how does one become a Christian or know that they're saved? They confess that they're broken. They confess that you're sinful. You call upon Jesus because he's the only one that can save you from your sins and that you can have confidence not only to confess Jesus with your mouth, but you actually believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. So those of us that place our faith in Christ, we know that Christ suffered for us. He satisfied the sin debt. And we know that we get to remember because those who remember are those who believe. So it's about faith. Are you here today that you've heard the gospel and you've heard the good news that Jesus died for your sin, you recognize your sin, and you're ready to confess Jesus as Lord? Let me tell you what that actually means. It doesn't mean that, if, that you've got your life together. There's not a point when you become a Christian that everything becomes perfect and picturesque like a Thomas Kincaid painting. It's not like that at all. Is that your life is messy, you're going to struggle with sin, you're going to go through hardship, but you know, at the end of the day, the only thing that can save you is your faith in Jesus Christ. It's literally you trusting. Here's a good definition of faith for you if you're new to Christianity. It means this, renouncing trust in yourself and placing reliance in Jesus Christ alone. Renouncing trust in myself and putting my reliance in Jesus Christ alone. Have you done that? Have you come to the point where you can come to the table and know that Christ suffered for you and satisfied the sin debt for you, and you believe that that's really, really true? If you're, you're a child, our hope is, as, as a church is that you come to behold that truth, see yourself a sinner, and confess that Christ is your Savior. Why do we do this every week? Why do we remember every week? Is it necessary? There's some of you that maybe feel a little bit, uh, little bit uncomfortable with the fact that we do this every week. You're, you're afraid that it becomes ritualistic. You're afraid that it actually is something that loses meaning. And here's what I want to, to, to just proclaim to you is this. Why do we still remember and why is it necessary? There's three reasons, but verse 19 just tells us basic foundation. Look at verse 19 again. It says he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. And what does he say? Think about this. He says, do this, right? So why do, we, why do we come together every Sunday and remember this? Because it was commanded by Christ. It was an imperative. It was something that was commanded. And those of us that come to a realization that Christ suffered for our sins and we believe that that's true and we placed our trust, we remember because Christ commanded it. So the church gathers on, on, on the Lord's Day, Sunday, and we're doing that, and, and we're coming to the table and doing it in remembrance because Christ has commanded it. So Jesus said it, therefore we obey. Second reason is why do we still remember? Because of our own condition. What is our own condition? That we are still sinful. You and I still struggle with sin. Children, you struggle with sin. There are times in your little, little lawyer heart where you justify how you treat your brother or sister, right? 
They're things that you purposely do to get under their skin, right? There are times when mom and dad proclaim to you, clean your room, and then what do you do? In your mind, in your heart, and even in your body, you do the opposite thing. This is a realization that every one of us, including you, children, that your halo's broken, right? You're not an angel. You're broken just like mom and dad. And so why do we remember? We remember because Christ commanded us to come to the table and remember that we've been forgiven. And we come to the table every week because the condition of every one of our hearts, even though we've been forgiven of the penalty of sin, the power of sin still is present in our lives. We still struggle. Does the pastor struggle with sin? I've got three or four witnesses right here in front of me that would testify that I am a sinner and I struggle with sin. And so we come to the table and we remember because of the condition, the condition that we're sinful. But the third reason is this, is that this reminds us that we are loved by God, that you and I are loved by God. And, you, and some of you really need to remember that you're loved by God, that you wear a tremendous amount of guilt and a tremendous amount of shame in your life. Is that you think that you've, you've done something so severe and so bad, there's no way that God could love you. And this coming to the table and remembering what the Lord has done is, is, is beautiful because it reminds us that God's love is unconditional. Is that when Jesus died for sinners, he died for this. He died for past sin, the things that you did in yesteryear. He died for present sin, the stuff that's going on in your head and heart right now. And he died for future sin, the things that you don't even know that you're going to do. Jesus died, and when he died, he died because he loved you, and he knew that. He knew that you were going to do bad stuff, and he loved you that much. And that is incredibly good news. And so why do we come every week to the table? Is because you always forget that. You forget. You depend on your own performance, thinking you're gonna, a good person, or you pretend that you're not that bad. And you come to the table every week to remember that God loves you. And it's when you come to the table, it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance. What is repentance? It means turning the other way. So turning from your ingratitude to life and turning in gratitude to God for what Christ has done for you. And you're here today. Children, you're here today. How, who gets to come to the table? Those who acknowledge that Christ suffered and satisfied the sin debt, and they place their trust in Jesus as their Savior, and they come to the table in a heart of humble gratitude because the kindness of God has led them to understand the love of God in Christ. So you're here today, and we'll come to the table like we always do, and we'll come and remember that, that you have been forgiven because God loves you based solely on his goodness and his kindness to love sinners. So.